The Forgotten Realms are a land of adventure, filled with perilous dungeons, ferocious dragons, and fearless heroes ready to brave them all. There have been countless heart-pounding adventures throughout the years. Some of these adventures saw epic battles against deadly beasts, while others involved deception and betrayal at the hands of once trusted allies. However, this story begins long after those other harrowing tales. The world no longer seeks to fight the forces of destruction, but to prevent them. Yes, a new breed of adventurer has been born. In a world ruled by laws and regulations, one organization stands at the forefront of calamity prevention. The Department of Adventurers Maintaining Normality and Eradicating Debacles, or, as they're more commonly known, Damned. of Damned, our Let's Play D&D podcast. I am your sometimes benevolent, often malevolent dungeon master, Jordan Roman. And I am joined by my, uh, hopefully cooperative players. Players! <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. You can't say hopefully cooperative around me. Hi everyone, my name is Katie. My character is Saith. Saith is a tiefling rogue swashbuckler um, and urban bounty hunter and overall badass. Cool, cool. Who's next? Hey guys, I'm Christina. I'm playing Wintera Dark Knight, your favorite druid of the forest. Our favorite catchphrase for her is she speaks for the trees. If you burn them down, she'll eat your knees. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, you should probably let them know that you're a bear. Otherwise, that's deeply uncomfortable. Uh, but, but yeah, she's a shifter. A bear shifter? A tooth shifter, yes, which is a bear shifter. Well, who are you, mysterious male voice? <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Uh, my name's Drew McLean, and I'll be playing the good Dr. Arlo Aegon, Dragonborn War Domain Clerk. Cool. So, quick note about that one is he's not playing a typical Dragonborn, because Dragonborn are typically not that good in this game, so we made him a bit stronger. We'll talk about how, when it becomes relevant. But for now, why don't we go ahead and get started now that our introductions are out of the way? As you guys may have, you the audience, not you, my wonderful gaggle of friends, may have picked up on from the intro piece, this is not a typical D&D campaign setting. Well, it's Forgotten Realms, but rather it's not really about a group of adventurers going out trying to make a name for themselves, save the world, yada yada yada. These guys actually work for an organization that helps to prevent disasters from happening in the first place. And we are going to start their adventure on their first day. 
Our adventure actually starts off in the middle of an ocean. There we see a small fishing boat, nothing too crazy, just a single level type deal, and it is piloted by a rather large, older looking minotaur. He's got a little bit of gray in him, but otherwise has reddish-orange fur. He's got a look of an uh, old sea cow that's seen some shit, you know? And other than him, we obviously have our three adventurers who have just made their way onto the ship. You guys are sailing off to the headquarters of the organization that you know to be the Department of Adventurers Maintaining Normality and Eradicating Debacles, otherwise known as Damned. You guys have never actually met each other before, so how would you interact with your newfound co-workers? Hi, I'm Safe. I promise not to kill you right away. I can't wait to get to know you. Ah, uh, I feel the same. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was not expecting that as a, a first introduction, but uh, I am Arlo. I do hope we are heading to the same place for the same reasons and that you don't try to kill me? Right away! Super uncomfortable about that, but I guess we'll roll with it. Um, a good thing to note here is that Seth never stops smiling. She always appears to be in a, uh, in a good mood, and that will get explained more later on, but she, over, she always appears to be overly enthusiastic about everything. Seth is our happy little stab girl. Happy little stab girl. So as you guys are having the most uncomfortable first introduction ever, you see the older Minotaur comes out and he says, I uh, hope you all getting along all right. I couldn't help but over here talks of murder already. We usually don't get that this quickly in new recruits. I didn't say it was happening right now. Yeah, that's still not something that's said uh, day one. That's usually something we hear end of the second week type deal usually. Huh. Yeah, uh, and uh, keep in mind Arlo has fully raised his hand. Yeah, a uh, quick question. Is that like allowed? I feel like that shouldn't be allowed for um anyone to try and uh, murder me. I, I feel like that's a bit much, and I understand that there's uh, dangers on the job and all that. But I thought there would be like you know camaraderie and all that. Start with some trust building exercises or something. Maybe less stabbing. Uh, she has a knife. I can visibly see it. Don't like it. Uh, don't like that one bit. Oh, all right. Just clarify. I'm not saying it's normal for our associates to stab each other. I'm just saying it's not uncommon for tensions to get high. Uh, he turns to Seth. On that note, uh, please don't stab anyone. I would greatly appreciate that, especially not on my boat. I do still use this when I'm not ferrying people over to the headquarters. When Tara chimes in, Ah, uh, yes, blood is very hard to get out of wood. I'm not even going to ask how you know that. Uh, name's Yarvum, by the way, before we get too far into, uh, whatever this is. Hello, Mr. Yarvum. Pleasure, Mr., uh, what was... Oh, uh, doctor, actually. The good Dr. Arlo Aegon. He's, uh, wearing a little hat and he tips it. 
pleasure, Doctor. Uh, so what exactly do you all know about Damned? We're going to help people. <laughs> well, gotta admit, that's a first as far as not knowing shit. What about the rest of you two? You know anything? Mm, we are going to prevent issues from becoming issues. Uh, in my experience, I've heard good things about the damned. Uh, seems like the whole organization is devoted to, I guess, uh, preventative maintenance of situations. Uh, things that can spiral out of control, they tend to get in there firsthand and be like, Hey there, partner, hold up uh, there on that one. I admit, you got the closest out of anyone ever has. That's about me. Hell yeah, ten points. Oh. <sighs> We're gonna like you, son. And as you guys are having this fun little discourse, why don't we play some D&D? Roll me a perception check. Hooray dice! Oh no! Sounds like you did great. What'd you get? So, like, numbers are subjective, right? Uh, no. Numbers are literally what binds you to your skills. Tell me what you got, you sack shit. Um, so a nine. Your girl got a nat 20, bitch! Oh! Oh, what? Well, I guess my roll doesn't even matter then. Nope! Uh, did you do better than a 9? Yes. Okay, then you're not the most insignificant. Congrats! You can't see, uh, but I'm flipping you off. Oh no, I can feel it. Good. So, Saith, as this is going on, you notice the water is starting to get a little rougher. The boat is starting to sway a bit more than it should. There's no storm clouds or anything, so you know it's not the weather, but something is definitely upsetting the water around here. Hmm. Something on your mind? Methinks we're not alone here. Okay. First of all, I don't think you actually talk like that. Gonna have to ask you to not do that. Very insensitive. Second, the fuck are you talking about? Talk like what? Why do you think there's something wrong? The water! It's very choppy here, in a way that's not normal for the ocean. Huh. Fair point, actually. And as he says this, it starts to get visibly choppier to the point where no perception rolls are needed. Y'all for sure see it where the boat starts to rock. And soon... The ocean in front of you seems to explode as a giant beast emerges from the water in front of your ship. We're in danger! Uh, Arlo raises his hand and is like, Um, Captain, Mr. Uh, Captain Sir, there's a thing. Yeah, thanks for noticing. Take care of it! And everyone needs to roll me some initiative! Uh, also, while you guys are at it, roll me some nature checks too. Arlo, you get advantage. Yay! What should we roll first, initiative or nature? I don't know, surprise me. Uh, initiative 15, nature 2. Cool. Initiative 16, nature, that's gonna be an 18. Okay, doing better. Um, not great. So I got an 8 for initiative, and nature is an 11. Alright, so you're doing great as the milligrams so far. Okay, so as far as those nature checks, Saith, as far as you know, the water just blew up. 
Wintera, you see that a giant sea turtle seems to have come upon the ship, which you're not openly familiar with, given that you're more of a foresty person. So you recognize it is a turtle-esque, it has turtle-esque features, and is in the sea. Therefore, it is probably a sea turtle. Just real big. Arlo! This is a sea turtle, but not the normal kind. This is a fucking dragon turtle that has come upon you guys. Why is that what it is? Oh, cause it's not a giant turtle thing and I decided to fuck you guys. Arlo, you're up first. Uh, it is close to the ship, but it has not done anything yet. It is just looking at you guys and it looks very angry. Wait, with the roll I got, would I know if it speaks Draconic? Um, I would say... Yeah. Since you recognize it is a creature of Draconic descent, then yes, you would have reason to believe this thing can speak Draconic. Well, rather than try to piss it off real good, uh, Arlo's gonna wave both his hands in the air and say in Draconic, uh, whoa, hold on there, partner. Uh, we're just trying to pass on through here. No need for anyone to go about smashing ships. Not to say that that's what you would be doing. But uh, we would prefer that you would not do that to us, as we would not want to drown. The dragon turtle gets closer to the ship. Specifically, its head. It's right on top of you, and you're realizing just how big this thing is. Like, you could crawl inside its nostril and have some arm room. Not a lot, but more than you should in a creature's nose. Wintera kind of pats you on the back and says, Have courage. Awesome. And it does actually mutter back to you in Draconic. Why are you Uh, Arlo will respond, Oh, we're just, like uh, we said, just kind of passing through as the sea is traveled by many. We are just ourselves traveling on through. Where do you go? Um, just, you know, around, around the block as you do, stretching our sea legs, so to speak, just heading out into s- stuff. The dragon turtle backs up a bit and lets out a loud roar. Safe, you're up. What are you saying to him? He wants to know where we're going, and I don't, uh, I've not met this fella before, and I'm not sure if, I'm, I'm not sure he's not fully friendly. I think the best policy in this case might be honesty. I'm not saying that because I'm shitting bricks. <laughs> Uh, do you have an actual move? Because Arlo has done his thing with the dragon turtle for this turn. Uh, I don't know Draconic. I only know Common, Infernal, and Thieves Can't. So unless the dragon turtle can speak Infernal, I, um... If the dragon turtle speaks Infernal, y'all have much bigger problems. Exactly! Um, I'm going to go ahead and say there's not much she can do. She's definitely not going to take this thing down in a fight. It seems like Argo has it under control, you know, for what it's worth. So she's just going to step back, put her hood up, and 
flick her hands forward, like, go, go on, tell him. Just gonna put this out there, since I know you're not as experienced with 5e as the rest of us are. If you wanted, you can just hold an action. I'm not sure if this is something that existed in previous versions, but you can just have an action you can do upon a trigger and just hold your action. Yeah, I'll hold an action. Okay then, that brings it to Winterra. Sweet. Uh, so it says I can speak to beasts as a part of my druid features, um, so I want to try talking to it as well. So I don't know what he said, but we're just trying to get through the waters. We don't mean harm. It just roars. I'm sorry, it counts as technically a dragon, a beast is a different classification. So I'm gonna have to say this thing isn't, uh, that isn't a thing you can do with this guy. Okay, I tried. Wah, wah. It would have probably just been in common, I'm guessing anyway, since I'm assuming beasts would just be able to understand you. So that's what I try. No, it was a fair attempt. Again, as far as you're concerned, this thing is a giant sea turtle. Yep. Arlo has failed to mention what this thing actually is. I'm guessing he assumed you both knew. I mean, how could you not know? I mean, it's like the first thing you learn in Draconic class. Y'all speak Draconic, right? No. Wow, uneducated. All right. (laughs) Do you have anything else you can do, Wintera, or is that it? That's pretty much it. All right. That does bring it around to the Dragon Turtle's turn. And it's going to come up closer to Arlo again, since Arlo was the only one able to do anything it could comprehend. It is going to get uncomfortably close, and it is going to say to you, Where are you going? Tell me when you travel through my domain. Um, well, I suppose it's no trouble in saying that we are technically heading to the headquarters of, um, Damned. And that's where we're headed, and, uh, that's where we're headed to do that right there. It starts to growl very angrily. You have an idea. Or, or, we could be going to not there if that's not what you like. And as the growl intensifies, it gets somehow closer? Like it's trying to whisper in your ear. I assume Dragonborn have ears? I don't know. Your draconic ear hole, and it says, As I always say, honesty is the best policy. In common, I say, are you fucking serious? And you feel Yarvum uh, put a hand on your shoulder and says, Not bad. Most people are actually stupid enough to try and fight him. Uh, not bad, Narif. And the dragon turtle backs up and, in common, says, This is always the best part of the job. I don't like this boat anymore. Well, good news. This is your stop. Let's do this, Narif. And Narif starts to sink back into the ocean, but he kind of stops, so just the top of his shell is exposed. And you can see that one of the, um, you'll have to forgive me, I'm not very well versed in turtle terminology. 
one of the spots on its shell is different from the rest of them. Most of them, I'll say mounds, I think, are spotted. One of them is this large ruby. And Yarvum points towards it and says, Well, what are you waiting for? HQ is up ahead. Saith uses her tail to pole vault off the ship onto the turtle's back. I think she'll do well here. Uh, Arlo just kind of meanders on in and is like, Sure, fine, fine, I'm just gonna mess with everybody. That's fine, that's real polite. Tara just looks generally displeased, but she climbs on and follows everyone. So you guys make your way onto the dragon turtle, whose name you now know as Narif. The gem begins to glow, and you guys instantly find yourselves engulfed in this bright red light. And when you open your eyes again, you find yourselves inside what looks like the void of space. If space was red. Ruby red. Like the gem you were just in. And you realize that the gem is actually a pocket dimension. And the most, and only, notable thing is the castle that stands before you floating in the middle of this space. And the doors open wide and a small boy appears to be standing there. Hello, miniature human! Hi, scary lady! You guys the new recruits? Yes! We are here with the damned! Yeah, that's us. Thanks. Cool, I was hoping this wasn't the wrong cross-dimensional dragon turtle. You, uh, know a lot of those? Y'all know my laugh. That's interesting. Let's go! So, as you guys follow this boy, uh, first of all, he's not walking. He's just floating. So, that's a thing. He's a very happy young lad. Like, he's got a pep in his... Well, I guess I can't say step. He's floating. Pep in his float? Yeah, he's got a good pep in his float, humming a tune, and is otherwise ignoring you guys for some reason. But he eventually leads you through the castle. Uh, this castle is massive, and it takes you a good while to get through there. To these large double doors, and he says, Well, Boss Lady is in there! Good luck, you guys! Hopefully he's just as scared of shit out of you like everybody else. Is that like a running theme of this place, that you guys are, are trying to scare the piss out of us? Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Nara just does that for fun. The Boss Lady is just a bitch! I feel like that's probably frowned upon, but alright. I mean, she can't do too much to me. I'm too important to the organization. Name's Odar, by the way. I just realized I never introduced you for the 20 or so minutes I was guiding you. Yeah, we did walk in an uncomfortable silence for a while. Well, you guys didn't say anything either, so... Bye! And he teleports away. I like that kid. Alright, so you guys find yourselves in front of these large, imposing double doors, and otherwise are at the mercy of this giant castle that you know literally nothing about inside a pocket dimension on a giant dragon turtle. What do you do? I'm gonna knock. Okay. You do a good little knock, and from inside you hear, Come in. I push the doors open in front of me and slowly enter. As you open the doors, you see what almost looks like a king's throne room, with all sorts of bizarre decorum all around you. 
There's the stuffed remains of various beasts and such things. Not like ordinary things, but like monsters. There's a beholder's husk, uh... I don't know, go through the monster manual. The one thing that does stand out is the large table at the end. There's all sorts of magical accoutrements on there. Like, there's a lot of books, a crystal ball, several, actually, from the looks of it. Uh, some of which you guys might recognize as speaking stones. You are going to use the word accoutrement, but you are not going to take the fucking time to look into what beasts are on the wall? Accoutrement, I can pull out my ass. The monsters, I have to pull out the monster manual, and that's a thick tome. Wait, hold on, I got you. <clears throat> Whoa, there's a, there's a, on the wall there, there's a taxidermied corpse of a high vampire. That's some, that's some pretty hard stuff to take on there. And whoa, there's an entire reconstructed skeleton of a giant gold dragon. Praise it. Crazy stuff is happening in this office. The office is huge and has all sorts of crazy cool ass shit. Are you done? Whoa, are these nunchucks? Wait, are these nunchucks on fire? Why? If you're not going to fill it, then I'm going to fill it in. <laughs> know your place, whelp. I'm the DM. I decide what details get filled in. And the one detail I'm going to fill in is the very irate green dragonborn who is sitting at that table. Who is noting Arlo, just kind of pointing around at everything without acknowledging her presence, and she is notably pissed. Hello, my lady. Please forgive my companion here. He's very excitable. Yes. I noticed. Are you three idiots the new recruits? Yes, ma'am. We are your idiots. For your doing. You might actually last here. Step forward. Tara just kind of squints at the word idiot, but she doesn't really say anything. She's just not super thrilled at being called an idiot. I imagine the rest of you aren't either, but... Arlo kind of takes his hat into both of his hands like a sad cowboy who knows he messed up. And he's like, I, I, I do apologize, ma'am. That was mighty rude of me. Agreed. Step forward. Saith pushes both of them forward with her tail and steps forward herself. How big is your tail? God damn, that thing's strong. I think your tail needs its own character sheet. Jesus. So, as you guys step-slash-are pushed forward, the green-scale dragonborn looks at you and says, Well, let's go ahead and get the obvious out of the way. I am Ryan Delmarev. I'm going to be your new boss. No need to introduce yourselves, I already know who you are. And she pulls out this uh, book and starts flipping through it. Saith, an urban bounty hunter who has made it her life's goal to eradicate anyone unfortunate enough to be on their list or take them in. I don't know. I don't pay that much attention. I just noticed you have an impressive record. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, she continues to flip through. When Terra, you appear to be renowned as a forest guardian amongst those who actually live in and around the forest. And while I can't claim to understand why you accepted our offer to work for us, I must say, if you can work so hard to fend off the forest's natural predators, 
I hope the insight you glean from that will be most beneficial to our organization. I hope so. And then, of course, uh, she flips a little bit more, there's Dr. Arlo Aegon. One of the infamous Aegon clan. I can only hope that your, while I will admit presently lacking, track record doesn't offer much, that you inherited much from your legendary mother. Oh yeah, she is uh, pretty well known as a bit of a spitfire there, no pun intended ma'am. But I, I do dare say that I, uh, I handle myself pretty well. You know, everyone needs a doctor around to make sure no one does die. Especially in this line of work, as you'll soon find out. Well, there's a lot of things we'll need to get out of the way, especially considering I already have work for you all. You'll find that we're quite busy here rather frequently, but we do have some minor details we have to work out first, just some basic bookkeeping. First of all, and I almost loathe saying this part out loud because no one ever takes it seriously. <sighs> You're all going to need a name for your little group so it's easier to address you. P pardon I'm sorry, did I stutter? I have an idea! We're working under Damned! Why not Agents of Damned? Huh. Roll credits! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys see Ryan turn her head up a little bit and she goes, You know, it's weird. We've been doing this for almost 20 years and no one has said that one yet. Huh. Really? Well then, is that going to be the one you use? Agents of damned it is, I think. What do you two think? I was going to say the Friday Night Friend Pals, but I think Agents of Damned is a lot cooler. I might just shorten it to Agents for the sake of calling you all in, but officially, I suppose you will be known as Agents of Damned. Uh, the next thing she does is she pulls out another giant tome and passes it over to you guys. This is going to be your official damned manual. This has all the rules and regulations that help ensure our world doesn't fall into calamity. You would do well to know what it says. However, if you don't have the time to read it, like good employees, then you can just reference it in the field. It is up to date in every way. It might help you out, I don't know. And the way this is going to work is, if you guys ever need to come up with some sort of weird loophole for something, then you guys can consult the manual. And you guys will give me a history check, if you take the time to study it during non-mission days, then you can gain bonuses to whatever you decide to consult it. But for right now, it's just a straight up history, whatever that happens to be. So that's just a tool that you guys will have going forward. Okay. Neat. After she hands that to you, she goes, Well, now that we've gotten all the formalities out of the way, as I said, we already have work for you. You're going- What would you have us do, madam? Don't interrupt me, first of all. My apologies. <sighs> you have your manners. So. I'm going to need you all to head over to the town of Neverwinter. It appears the local thieves' guild is getting up to some rather unusual trouble. Not like the usual kind, like they used to do back before they were regulated. 
Actually, it is rather unusual. They're hoarding money, for lack of better terms. As I'm sure you all know, it is now illegal for any establishment to hold a certain amount of gold, treasure, loot, whatever you want to call it, in any one place. Because it tends to attract, as she motions towards the golden dragon corpse hanging above, dragons. Admittedly, not normally metallic dragons, usually more chromatic dragons, but all the same. A giant fire-breathing, lightning-breathing, whatever-breathing beast coming down upon a large populated city is obviously something we try to prevent. So, I'm going to need you all to go down and consult with the Thieves' Guild of Neverwinter and help them move their funds to however many set locations need be so that they are not above the set amount. Your contact is going to be a young halfling by the name of Milo. He happens to run the Thieves' Guild. However, despite the urgency of this quest, and make no mistake, it is quite urgent, it would be ill-fitting of me not to allow you all to go out well-equipped. This little base of ours happens to be well-stocked in all manner of adventuring gear, and several experts in their field and craft who will be able to assist you. If you need better armor or weaponry, then I would suggest heading down to the blacksmith, where you can find Ayla, who is the armorer and clothing expert. Morgren, the blacksmith, or Nisa, who can enchant any of your items with a certain magical effect. Before I go any further, I feel it needs to be stated that they are still legitimate businesses. While they are tied to us, you do still have to pay them. And no, there's not an employee discount. Oh, nuts. Get benefits, be quiet. Can we get dental? You have to stay with us for about three months before that kicks in, but yes. Dang it, my molar's been killing me for weeks. Well, you're going to have to put up with it for a few more, anyway. I think that would be considered a pre-existing condition. I think that counts as not my problem. Don't be a narc. Anyway, if you guys find yourselves in need of something less protecting or stabby, then I suggest you head down to... And she looks visibly upset as these words are about to leave her mouth. To the point where she's even pinching her brow very painfully. The general store with Rick and Rick. If I were you, I wouldn't spend too much time down there. They do potions, items, and all that sort of thing. They're also a lot to handle, so if you can make it quick, I'd suggest you make it quick. Hmm... On a scale of, like, one to saying you'd murder someone on the first day you met them, about how difficult are they? Let's just say, if not for how effective they both are as merchants, I'd have either fired or killed them both long ago. Alright, that's gonna be an experience. Oh, you have no idea. Anyway, if you find yourselves lacking in the knowledge department, you can head down to the archives find a large collection of books on all manner of topics, including locations, beasts, histories, all that sort. If you're having trouble finding anything, you might want to try consulting Bookworm first. Be careful though, she's not really that social. And finally, if you find yourselves in need of sustenance before going out, I would suggest heading to the meal hall. Our chef, Orolo, happens to be one of the finest, and if you can't find him there, you can often find him in the archives with Bookworm. The two are sort of friends. When you have gotten everything you need and are ready to go, 
find Odart, the plucky young bastard who happened to lead you to me in the first place. He is the one who will send you out. Any questions? I have none! Uh, Arlo raises his hand and waits. What? So, um, those flaming nunchucks that you have on the wall. Alright. Alright. So, at this point, you guys are free to go to any of the aforementioned shops or areas that you would like. Or you can say, fuck it to all that, give me the middle finger as far as NPC creation, and just head on out. What do you want to do? I want to look and see what sort of armor they have. I'm only wearing leather, so I definitely need something with a little more oomph. I too could use more protection, and I'm not talking Trojans. Not a sponsor. And maybe some healing items, because a cleric is great and all, but... Healing items are gonna be with Rick and Rick, but whichever one you guys want to go to first, it sounds like you guys are gonna need armor more than anything else, so... Is either one of them a pickle? I will drop you from this podcast so quickly, so help me. (laughs) (laughs) Additionally, not a sponsor. Oh, while we have a down minute, that turtle was a JoJo reference. I don't know what to do with that information, but it was for sure a JoJo reference. Or an Avatar The Last Airbender reference? Also not a sponsor. So you guys make your way down to the blacksmith, and as you find your way over there, there are three figures of note, as previously mentioned. The first is a rather flamboyant-looking and very brightly dressed elf. He seems to be mending some clothes right now. Next is a small, gruff-looking, very focused on his work, and looks angry at everything else just by a passing glance, Dwarf, who is hammering away at a sword. Finally, an older female gnome who is working on one of the finished swords, almost like she's inscribing something into it. They're all too engrossed in their work to notice you guys, so... Is there, like, a service bell? Uh, sure. Alright, Ala walks up and dings the bell. Ding, ding, uh, howdy. Uh, all three of them look up at you, but it's the elf who jumps up first and says, Ah, hello there. I don't believe we've met before. Are you a new recruit by chance? Uh, that I am, and he tips his hat. Uh, the good Dr. Arlo Aegon. Ah, Ayla Baravan. And he also extends his hand out to you for a shake? I shake his hand. Ooh, quite a strong grip you have there. What can I help you all with? We are in need of upgrades! Yeah, that. Well, I can certainly see that. Some coarse-looking armor you have on there. What kind of starting budget are we working with here? That depends on the quality of your work. No, the price I offer depends on the quality of my work. How much money you have is dependent on how much money you have. I'm working with a hard budget of uh, roughly about 250 Alright, I assume you're more of a heavy armor person? Uh, Arlo does a little flex, and he's like, you tell me. Ooh, definitely. 
Well, depending on how much of that 250 you want to go off of. And he goes over to a rack of armor, all of which is very elegantly crafted and seems to be elvish in design. So it's got a lot of unnecessary patterning to it. He goes over to two things of armor and says, So this is what you can get the most bang for your buck for. Uh, and he has a piece of chainmail. This will do you adequately well for about 75 gold. Or... And he goes over now to another piece of armor that is much heftier and also looks like it weighs a good amount more and says, This, while I will admit is a bit more expensive, about 200 gold, will offer you better protection. And what it comes down to is he's offering you chainmail or splint, a difference of one AC. Hmm. Can I roll an insight to get a read on this guy to see if he's, like, into Arlo? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Alright. French toast, that is, and eight. He seems friendly. I am gonna try anyway. Can I try to do, like, flirty, get him to knock the price down? Yeah, sure, go nuts. Okay, so, in character. Ooh, these are real nice, but I mean, they're, they're so pricey, I could hurt my big bulging muscles which is which i assume is how you flirt oh you're such a natural <laughs> oh shit that's a 17 fuck well apparently that is how you flirt oh they are rather large hmm. yeah i wouldn't want the goods to get damaged no no we wouldn't <laughs> oh god why Seth slowly backs away from the counter, just, like, inching away from the situation. How about... 150? Well, I do thank you quite kindly, and Arlo buys the split mail. So as he hands it to you, he makes for a caress on your arm as he passes it off. <laughs> it's called love, don't be hateful! I didn't say it was love, Arlo's just trying to get a deal. <laughs> <laughs> was I talking about you? By this point, the other two have noticed all this tomfoolery and fuckery, and the gnome walks over and is like, Oh, hi. Sorry, we didn't even notice you. So nice of our co-worker to mention it. And she nudges ALR in the thigh, uh, I guess would be about where she comes up to. And she sends a hand, the name's Nisa, Nisa Silveraxe. My husband over there is the one on the forge. Well, hello there! Pleasure to meet you. Is there anything we can help you with? Well, that depends. I would just like to upgrade my leather armor a little bit. Do you have any extra studs I could use? Alar speaks up. I'm sorry, but I'm afraid all the clothing and armor-based things go through me. Fortunately, we do still happen to have some. Let me show you what we have. And he pulls out some studded leather armor. Again, very extra. It, it's still good armor, but he focuses on the aesthetics of it more than anything else. This will run you roughly 45 gold. Uh, I'm looking for something a little less gaudy. And Tara pipes in and she's like, that looks perfect. For you or her? Me. 45 gold then. She hands it over. Uh, Aylar turns back, uh, almost upset at say, Well, if you're looking for something less 
gaudy. I'm afraid you'll have to go to a more casual artisan. Everything I have is made the finest of elvish class. There's nothing here you won't find that doesn't have my signature on it. And the door speaks up and says, I can rough it up a bit if you want. Actually, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And she hands over the 45 gold to the guy, Alar, and brings over her new studded leather armor to the other gentleman. Alar is visibly disgusted with you. I'm not here to make friends. Clearly. So, yeah, Morgren roughs it up a bit, and as a finishing touch, he spits on it before he hands it back. It's perfect. That one's on the ass, little lady. And he gives a spiteful glance over at Alar, who sticks his tongue back out at the dwarf. Thank you kindly. Nisa at this point gets in between them and says desperately, Will you two please behave for the love of whatever gods it is that are listening right now? <sighs> Look, I'm sorry about the way they're behaving. This is more common than I'd like it to be. But if you need any of these things or anything else you happen to have enchanted... I could help you out with that. I spend a good amount of time studying as an artificer, so I can imbue magical properties into your new armor or any weapons you may have, if that's what you're interested in. That would be wonderful! What sort of enchantments could you put on my bow? Depends on what you're... Usually the stronger the magical effect I put on there, the... More I have to charge, unfortunately. Um, but what do you want it to do? Do you want it to be more more accurate when you aim? Do you want it to be stronger? Like, what are you looking for? I'd like something with more accuracy and more damage. Um, let's see. So I'm not sure how familiar you are with the spell. Uh, but I could imbue Hunter's Mark into it. You'd be able to track any foe that you hit with the shot, and it would be a little bit stronger. That would be wonderful! How much would that cost? Well, since this is classified as a first-level spell, it would cost you roughly 100 gold. I can do that! Let's do it! Alright, uh, may I see your weapon, please? Yes! Alright, so she takes your... Uh, did you say it was a bow or a crossbow? Oh, sh um... Mm, I have a... A hand crossbow. Okay, so she takes that and starts to infuse it. It takes a little bit of time. It's not quite as easily as just putting, pulling something off the shelf. She does... But she does manage to do that. So the way this is going to work is that once per... Uh, we'll say long or short rest, you'll be able to cast Hunter's Mark. Is there a command phrase she has to speak to get the Hunter's Mark to start up? Uh, I don't know if there is one, but we'll say yes, because that's more fun. Like, Hunter's Mark, fuck that guy! Jesus! Does it have any extra proficiency or anything? Nope! Uh, uh, so Hunter's Mark is you choose a creature you can see within range and mystically mark it as your quarry. Until the spell ends, you deal an extra 1d6 to the target whenever you hit it with a weapon attack. 
and you have advantage on any wisdom perception or wisdom survival checks you make to find it. If the target drops to zero hit points before the spell ends, you can use a bonus action on a subsequent turn of yours to mark a new creature. Uh, did anyone else need anything from here, or are we moving on to find out about what the Ricks are all about? Uh, first, once Arlo hears about there being like enchantments and such, he uh, goes to his go-to and raises his hand and waits. Yes, uh, Mr... I- I'm sorry, I don't think I ever caught your name? Oh, uh, he puts his hand down and tips his hat again. The good Dr. Arlo Aegon, nice to meet you. I heard you did enchantments, and I did notice a rather fetching pair of flaming nunchucks over there on the, uh, boss lady's wall. Could you do something like that for, uh, my old, uh, Warhammer? Well, I'm not gonna lie. The nunchucks you mentioned from Miss Delmarev's room is quite a powerful enchantment. I can't do anything like that. However, I do have something similar... I could have it so that you could potentially, maybe not on your hammer, but maybe your shield would be able to do this. What if you could harm an opponent with fire after they've attacked you? And have your shield be a sort of rebuking spell? I'm gonna tell you right now, and he claps his hand on her shoulder, that is the coolest shit I've ever heard. Trying to press. Yeah, so in this case, in case it wasn't super obvious, what I'm offering you is that I can put Hellish Rebuke on a shield. I have Hellish Rebuke. That sounds cool as fuck. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you're a tiefling, so you get auto Hellish Rebuke. And it would work the same as being a once per long or short rest, and it would also be 100 gold. I don't think I should push my luck and try to make another flirt check, especially when the woman's husband is like 10 feet away wielding a smithing forge. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, that one ain't gonna fly. The best you could hope for is a nat 20 where she doesn't ask you to leave. I'll pay full price because that sounds cool as shit. So she will take your shield, and again, takes a little bit of time, but she does manage to get a hellish rebuke on there. Once again, once per short or long rest. I kind of wave the shield around and go, Yeah, yeah, heel, karate, taekwondo. So Nisa then turns over to Wintera. Well, while I'm enchanting everyone's stuff, did you have something you wanted? Uh, she kind of thinks for a second and she looks at the scimitar that she keeps on her back and is like, mm, those sound cool, but I don't know what I would want. That's that's fair. Um, my services are always available, so if you ever change your mind, I'm here to help. Sounds good. You all take care now. You too. So you guys head off from there. I'm guessing you go to the general store now. Sounds like a plan. Cool. So as you guys head over to the store, you notice it is quite different from what you just experienced, which was admittedly already kind of crazy. The store, just on the outside, has a lot of growth coming out around it. Like, it looks like there's just seaweed and algae just everywhere. And even when you look inside, the place looks wet. You're basically walking into a swamp at this point. Mm. 
And as you walk in, you see a human wearing an elaborate yellow suit with red stripes. Not quite as gaudy as what Alar was wearing. Um, arguably more gentlemanly. Uh, the suit has coattails with a tall top hat, and the man himself has a thin pencil mustache. And as he sees you, he has the biggest smile on his face as he exclaims, Well, hello there! I'm Rick Slavenly! Welcome to Rick Slavenly's Corporeal Oozes! And then, from behind the counter, pops out this little, also humanoid-looking thing, but this one looks more like a raven without wings, and that has arms and legs, also in the same kind of suit, cut for itself, and says, And I'm Little Rick! And they just look as happy as can be at you guys. What do you do? You said that we're in what appears like a swamp? Like, it looks like a swamp, or is humid like a swamp? It is humid like a swamp, and there is growth everywhere. You you might feel oddly at home when Tara... Yeah, I was about to say, Tara feels at home, and she's looking around and says, You two don't fit in with this atmosphere. Yeah, we get that a lot. What's with all the algae? I'm glad you asked, creepy little child. As I mentioned, my business is Rick Slavenly's Corporeal Oozes. That's because... And he pulls out this giant jar and just slaps it on the counter. And inside you can see this sort of tannish, wriggling mass. Not only do I excel in the business of potions, I also happen to care for my own precious loose babies here. And for a price, I'm even willing to sell them out to you for use in the field of battle. Can I, out of character, Jordan, just... I will pay you any amount of money to never say ooze babies ever again. Yes! Please never say it ever again. I can say two things for absolute certainty. One, I can promise you nothing. Two, there is no number high enough. No. I literally cannot with what you just said. Get over it! I just shivered down my spine, just all the way down. So how can I help you, fine folks? So, how do your ooze babies work? Ah! <laughs> oh no! Well, it's quite simple. You see, I bred them all from a rather young age, and I raised them so that they will obey whoever it is that first opens the jar. There's a process where I had to sort of acclimate them to whoever it is that purchases them, but they will do battle for you. Now, obviously, the more powerful the ooze, the more expensive it is. But I assure you, each one is as ferocious in battle as the last. And, as I said, I do also sell potions. How much for your healing potions and for your ooze babies? Well, in both cases, it's going to depend on the potency. Uh... I'm going to enjoy Rick Slavily, I can tell. Great. I am gritting my teeth right now. In character, that was Arlo's noise. Just, oh no. I am hating every second of this. You are making it worse by going along with I know! What am I thinking? Well, for a standard healing potion, that will run you about 50 gold per. 
If you wanted something more along the lines of injuring someone, then I could do poison for about a hundred, and the antitoxins for them for about fifty. I also have a couple of other fun ones. A potion of growth for about a hundred, as well as a potion of resistance. Now, as far as oozes go, I'm afraid the cheapest one I have is about a hundred. That's for a great ooze. And just for some out-of-character context, a gray ooze is a challenge rating half. So it's not like a terribly strong creature, but it is still an extra creature that will fight for you. Okay. Uh, Tara will fish for her gold and be like, Can I have two potions of healing? Just standard potions. Why, certainly! And he hands you two vials, and as he does, he goes, These ones are fresh. Just milked this morning! Please never say that to me again. Just like you know how fresh they are! I will also take two healing potions! Very well, here you go! Uh, Arlo goes into his uh, trademark hand raise, but this one's a half-hearted hand raise, like just at the elbow, and he murmurs concernedly. Both Rick Slavinly and the small bird creature that has addressed himself as little Rick point to you and say, Yes! Uh, so when you say milked, these health potions of yours, you mean milked from an ooze monster. Well, of course, what else would I mean? I'm gonna go with a hard pass on that one, partner, but uh, I'll be seeing you around. Uh, little Rick actually speaks up and says, If you want, I have magic items! Are they ooze-related? No! I'm listening. I have magic items! What sort of magic items do you have? So, little Rick looks over to Rick slappingly, and then Rick actually starts... I'm sorry, you'll have to forgive him. Uh, how familiar are you all with Kenkus? Uh, should we roll a dice? Yeah, I'll say that it's a nature check. Hey, not bad. That's a 15. Mm, 18. Mm, 6. Alright, so you don't know shit about <laughs> it, It's a fun new word you just learned. As for Arlo and Winterra, you guys know that Kenku are sort of like flightless Aarakocra, which are bird people. The main exception to which being that they are incapable of their own speech, they can only mimic sounds. So if you ever come across a Kenku that is mimicking entire sentences, it is a sentence it has learned from someone else, which is exactly why he sounds like Rick Slavinly, right down to the weird speech pattern. Mm. They are also incapable of independent thoughts, so to speak. Eh, well, that's not right. It's more like they lack ingenuity, they can't come up with their own ideas, so they're usually great for simple tasks and stuff like that. And also that they do not have wings, but many of them crave flight. That is, uh, that is what you two would know about Kang. Gotcha. Can I clarify that, like, Rick Slavinly at some point in his life has come upon a Kanku and realized that he could make it sound exactly like him, and he was like, yes, there needs to be more of this. My voice. Why not? Are you implying you have not been enjoying the dulcet tones that has been Rick Slavinly? Fuck you. It makes me so uncomfortable. Good. I will enjoy this power and abuse it oh well. Oh, God. So when he says he has magic items, he can't really go over the specifics of them. However, I will be more than happy to go over them with you, on top of the general 
non-magical items he always keeps in stock, he also has a few other things! And because I don't feel like keeping this up forever, I would just say what he has out of character. Uh, so he has... Uh, well, first of all, how much gold do y'all have left? Uh, 50 gold, dog. Okay, doesn't matter to you. Um, I have 155 gold left. 65. Okay, so, Wintera, this is pretty much all for you. The rest of y'all are too broke. Uh, so, what he has that you can afford, he has a ring of swimming, which gives you a swimming speed of, I believe, equal to 40? Uh, yes, 40 swimming speed. Okay. An alchemy jug, which is a fun little item that can be used to create various liquids of specific... Alchemy jug! (laughs) (laughs) Specific sizes. Okay. Uh, including acid, basic poison, beer, honey, mayonnaise, oil, vinegar, fresh water, salt water, and wine. Yep. Alchemy jug! (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, hold on. There are two other options. Uh, there is also the ever-smoking bottle, which can be used to create a 60-foot radius smokescreen. There's other attributes to it, but I'll only go over that if you care enough. And then he has first-level spell scrolls of varying spells. Uh, in order to know which ones, I would need you to roll for it. Okay, gotcha. Um, uh, Unless you just want to beeline it for that alchemy jug that Drew so desperately needs. <laughs> Please! So, uh, alchemy jugs, you can use them more than once, right? It's, it's not like a time limit, but then the other thing, the smoke screen thing, is that like a one-time use item? Oh, no, it's a full-fledged magic item. It just does that. Why it's the ever-smoking bottle, it refills constantly. Mm, okay. So both have more than one jug, use. Jug, 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 jug. <laughs> is, is, uh, is Aeon in the background going jug, 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 jug? <laughs> yeah, he, I'm gonna say that, like, Aegon is kindly, it's kind of like, He's not going like jug, 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 but he's kind of looking at it with desire in his eyes. <laughs> he does that thing we've all done before when when uh, you're looking at something and you go, ooh, and you look at how much money you have left, and then you go, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Weird, I thought Aegon would have just been eyeing the door. Yeah, but alchemy jug, though. He has some kind of want in his heart for the alchemy jug. I think the heart is named Drew. I love that item so much. It's so ridiculous. It is pretty great. Okay, um, so from Tara's perspective, she is genuinely and honestly intrigued by an alchemy jug, um, like when it's explained to her, and she's like, what is mayo? I'd love to show you. And so he grabs the jug and produces, uh, hold on, let me see exactly how much you can make. Produces two metric gallons of mayonnaise and slaps that shit onto the floor. Oh, Lord Almighty. He just slaps it on the floor? That's mayo! I am no longer having a fun time. There is just so much wrong about all of this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like the warning you guys received earlier about the Ricks was coming from somewhere, like a place of earnest regret. She's eyeing it apprehensively. Like, just because he just threw it on the floor? And she's like, so, 
Are people supposed to eat it? I have honestly no idea. Oh. I don't think we need that. Does it do anything else? It makes other things. Oh. Are the other things better than whatever that is? I have no reason to believe otherwise. Gotcha. That sounds potentially useful. Um, I guess I would like to know how much is the alchemy jug? One hundred gold pieces! Hmm, and she thinks about it for a second. Okay, that, uh, that sounds reasonable. Very well, enjoy your jug! Uh, and he hands it over for the 100 gold. I would like to leave. This is at home, but I do not feel at home anymore. Alright, feel free to come again! And they both wave at you guys, I imagine, as you hurriedly run out the door. I feel as though I will have to come back here, but I am not thrilled about that subject. <laughs> that was a horrifying experience! I understand the warnings. I, too, understand the warnings. So, that leaves you guys with the archives, the meal hall, or just fucking peacing out and going to Neverwinter. I mean, is there anything anything specifically that we need to know? I don't know. You said there was a character named Bookworm in the archives, and that sounds adorable, and I kind of want to see that. Fair enough. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to see my wonderful NPCs, who are all equally wonderful in every way. I'm down for it. Let's go meet Bookworm. You didn't deny it. That means you love Rick Slavenly. Ugh. Anyway. Oh. As you guys make your way over towards the archives, as was mentioned by Miss Delmarev, there are, in fact, a lot of books. Think like Beauty and the Beast library level of books as a section there's a lot of books. And as you guys kind of wander around a little bit, you do find this main desk area where there are two prominent figures. One is... Winterra, you'd probably be the one to recognize this creature beggar. It's a forest-dwelling creature known as a Fearball. Oh. It's a particularly young-looking one. She's uh, it's, it's a young lady. And she's speaking with a Goliath that appears to have an apron on around it. And from what you can tell, the two are just checking it up. They're the only people of real note that you see that aren't, like, reading. Okay, so they're only two people of note in this library. Um, I guess we'll go up and ask if either of them are the people that we're looking for. I how do you ask them? Um, I guess I'll just say... We were looking for someone named Bookworm. We were told that she might be down here. As you say that, you notice the Fearbulg's ears perk up, and she actually looks over at you and then points to herself. Oh, you're Bookworm. She nods. The Goliath kind of speaks up in a deep voice. Oh, I'm sorry, you'll have to forgive her. Bookworm is actually a mute, so if any of you are able to speak sign language, then you might be able to pick up a few of her words. So I realize there's no realistic way to test any of this, since it's not an inherent language that you can normally know in D&D. But if any of you guys can give me a logical reason why you might be able to know sign language, I will let you communicate with Bookworm. I know thieves can't, which is basically like hand gestures, 
like, you know, move forward, stop, etc. To speak quietly when going on the offensive. Um, why don't you roll for it? Okay, uh... We'll be fair about this. Let the dice decide. Do I... Just raw roll, or... Actually, no. History. 15 and 2 is 17. Okay. I'll say with the 17 that the way you learned Thieves Can't was by originally picking up some basic sign language and then having that be translated over to it. That was how you started picking it up, so I'll say that you can communicate with Bookworm. Woo! Anyone else want to try and get in? Hey, if you'll allow me, I'd like to try and roll, because Arlo's a doctor, which does not necessarily entail sign language, but also I feel like if there was someone who would have learned sign language during, like, a four-year period, it would be someone else getting a doctorate program, like a side class he took or some shit. Yeah, I can see the doctor angle. Alright, uh, go ahead and roll for that one. Twelve. Okay, um... You can pick up, like, bits and pieces, like, not as well as Saith can, but you're capable of picking up what she's saying. You might not be able to reply back as easily, though. Kind of like how we both took Japanese but don't really speak it that much, but both still sort of do. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> as for Wintera, I can't necessarily think of a good reason to even know sign language coming from a forest. Uh, the best I could think of is she would know like small tactical movements, but that's more like animal-related, and that she'd be able to read body language really well. But that wouldn't necessarily translate into like sign language. Yeah, sign language is a bit more orderly than that. Yeah. So she would maybe be able to pick up on how this girl is maybe necessarily feeling, um, but as far as her act of signing is going, I doubt she would be able to communicate. You know what? I'll even let you get away with that one. That's just reading body language. That has nothing to do with sign language. I'll say you have a better chance of being able to read emotions, especially since she's a forest-dwelling creature, so... I'll give you that one on the house, but yeah, no, I don't think there's a way to justify Winterra knowing sign language. No, yeah, not like knowing it, definitely not. Okay, so as you do that, you guys actually do see Bookworm start doing some hand size. And Arlo, I'm going to need you to roll an intelligence check to see if you can just pick up on what she's saying. And that is another 12. So you get the basic gist of it, she's just introducing herself. Saith, you understand entirely what she's saying, which is that she's introducing herself as Bookworm, and that she is not the official head archivist, but that she does frequent enough around here that she can help you guys find any books if you guys need it. Okay. Arlo, all you really got out of that is that she's Bookworm, and she's in the library a lot. Saith introduces everybody. She basically says Winterra is a wild child. She doesn't really call them by their names. She says wild child and doctor, and then she herself, she spells her name out, obviously. Although she does have a hand sign for herself. And then she, uh, she asks if anybody, uh, she asks if she has anything on the Thieves Guild. Bookworm thinks about it for a little bit, and then asks which one. Uh, Neverwinter. She pulls up a hand and starts doing some sort of magic and a small flower comes up and grows in a specific direction, sort of, like, pointing. And you gather that that is where it would likely show up. And she signs out the specific section number and all that stuff. 
she thanks her and promises that they will keep returning to the library. She blushes and hides herself behind a book. Uh, Orlo then puts his hand on your shoulder and says, For the record, she's only mute. She's not deaf. She can't hear you. Oh, uh, that's fair. My apologies. My mother taught me to sign when I was young, so being able to do it again makes me very happy. She buries her head even deeper into the book. Uh, and then Orla lets out a large laugh. It's like, <laughs> she is quite shy. You'll have to forgive her for that one. She is a very sweet girl. Oh yeah, also, in all fairness, I can't exactly lower the volume of my voice. So I figured that signing might be a little more, uh, appropriate than me shouting in the library. Fair enough. When you're all done here, if you would like a meal before you head out on your job, I assume you are employees here, you can find me in the meal hall. I happen to be the chef. The name is Orlo. Thanks, Oreo! No, Orlo. That's what I said! Orlo sighs deeply, and he turns to Arlo and Tara and says, Please, don't let her be like this. Try and keep an eye on her. I hate to break it to you, buddy, but I fully have no control over her. She's a kind of a free radical, if you will. Uh, fair enough. Well, I should be getting back to my post. Again, if you all feel peckish before heading out, I would be more than happy to fill your bellies. Till then, best of luck on your mission. Fairest of Wells. And so he heads off. Uh, you guys look into the books that were pointed out. Uh, you really just find sort of basic history on it. You know that Neverwinter was one of the first official Thieves' Guilds to be formed. It's one of the ones uh, from before the bureaucracy of the modern world came to be, and the Thieves' Guild were something that was not very well looked upon, uh, but something that was kept in the shadows. But nowadays, they are fully public, uh, very heavily monitored, and are, as are all guilds, and Neverwinter kind of stood as the forefront of how a thieves' guild was intended to be in the modern era. It was intended to be a sort of, like, a equalizer, uh, or a symbol, to make sure that certain entities didn't get too wealthy or too powerful and keep the economy flowing well. And for the most part, it did manage to maintain its status as the ideal for the Thieves' Guild of the rest of the world to strive to. So the fact that they would shirk off on such an important responsibility as not hoarding all their treasure in one place seems odd. That's the only thing of note you can find on them. Otherwise, it's just like past leaders and it does confirm that the current leader is a halfling named Milo. It does also list his second-in-command, who is a wood elf named Elema. So that just leaves you guys getting a meal or heading off. Let's do it. I guess so. Alright. So you guys decide to head over to the dispatch area, where you find a familiar uppity young boy just kind of floating around. He seems to come up and goes, Hi, you guys are back. So, how was she? Adorable! Are we talking about the same person? Oh, you met the boss lady! Well, yeah, who else would I mean? We met a lot of people today. Fair enough! So, where are you guys at? Neverwinter! 
awesome! And he points to a teleportation circle, and you guys notice that there's actually a lot of teleportation circles. But he points to one in particular and says, Alright, that's where you're going. Just into that circle there, just right there. Yep. Kind of like how you guys enter the turtle. That was strange, but okay. Get used to it. Please don't say it like that. You guys went to the general store, right? I don't want to talk about it. Okay, then you've heard worse than what I just said. Get on the damn circle. We have agreed to never speak of the general store again. Good luck with that one. He's kind of unavoidable. Fair enough. Let's do this. Okay, so you guys all walk over to the teleportation circle. Odart does a couple of weird incantations and movements with his hands, and a bright light encompasses all of you. And this is where we shall pause our tale for... We have some plugs and promotions. For anyone in the South Charlotte area, check out Just Cheesecakes by Tina Rose on Facebook. They're a local bakery that specializes in, you guessed it, cheesecakes. They do custom orders and delivery, so it's a quick and easy way to satisfy your sweet tooth. We are also partnered with Black Feather Graphics. They've helped us with the show before, designing our logo and official art used on our social media. They've recently started to specialize in apparel, so check them out at blackfeathergraphics.com. Finally, our own Drew McLean is the fitness genius behind Kinetic Concepts. When he's not reciting the holy scriptures of Bahamut, Drew is a personal trainer that customizes your workout to your own needs. He's helped me get in fighting shape and is also helping my brother to prepare for a marathon. To get yourself in shape, just find Kinetic Concepts on Instagram. If you want to support the show, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Agents of Damned, and on Twitter at Agents of D. We also have a Patreon at Agents of Damned, where we post episodes a week before their standard release, alongside our after show, Peek Behind the Screen, where we talk about what happened in the episode and what we think will happen next. Finally, check out our website at agentsofdamned.wordpress.com, where you can get access to full transcriptions of every episode, and learn a little bit about the show's creators. Until next time, bye!